Thank you for the invitation to preach at Memorial Church. Thank you to Dr. Walton, Dr. Forster Smith, the clergy, the seminarians for your warm welcome and hospitality. I bring greetings from Washington, D.C. and the Presbyterians in Georgetown. It is a joy to be with you this morning. Will you join me in prayer? Open our hearts, O God, to receive you, to be blessed by your presence, and to be changed by your eternal truths. Amen. The ever-trusty wedding text. I like to read it while staring down a nervous bride and groom. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It bears all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And all the married couples in the pews wiggle uncomfortably and avert their eyes. Okay, I don't actually read it like that at weddings, but I imagine that would be a much more accurate reading of Paul's intentions than the sickly sweet way it is read in the midst of white dresses and rented tuxedos. A wedding is a perfect time to pontificate about love, and yet I have found no one really has much of an attention span for a fired-up minister on wedding day. So I thought, today, I would deliver the version of a wedding sermon I wish I could preach on those occasions. Many adjectives are used to describe God in the holy texts of major religions. In Christianity, God is defined quite simply in the New Testament first letter of John, Love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is hard to describe in adequate detail, and in many ways we only know in parts. Yet for those who desire to know God, we have been given a pathway to the divine mystery. If you want to know God, know love. Christian theology maintains that in loving another human being, a love that at times becomes selfless, we have a window into the kind of love God has for us, an infinitely selfless love. In those times when we enact selfless love, when we care more deeply for others' welfare and happiness than our own, we glimpse at the selfless love God has for us. In this, we come to know God. In this, we come to understand Christ on a cross in a new way. Christ's selfless love for humanity displayed for all to see. Paul's letter to the Corinthians is about love, this famous 13th chapter, love being the foundation for one's life. 
Paul reminds them that God is love revealed to them in Christ Jesus. The foundation of their lives is love, and so he commands them to practice love. They say cleanliness is next to godliness, yet Paul would probably argue that loveliness would be better. Loveliness, love, is next to godliness. If you want to know God, if you want to follow Christ, then practice love. Yet Paul is not convinced that this simple admonition to do all things enough is going to be enough for those fickle Corinthians. So Paul reminds them of the things that love is. Patient and kind. And then he reminds them of all the things love is not. Envious boastful, arrogant, or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing. Each of us has an inner radar for these things. We can detect envy. We can hear boasting. We can feel arrogance. We bristle at rudeness. These things we know in our core are not expressions of love. We know love when we see it, and we can detect the absence of love quite quickly. Paul, with his list, is giving us a measuring stick for how we are doing in the love department. We must apply these standards to our actions to see if we are being rooted in love or not. So try it. Apply these statements to yourself. I am patient. I am kind. I am not envious. I am not arrogant. I am not boastful. I am not rude, I am not irritable, I am not resentful, I do not rejoice in wrongdoing, but I rejoice in the truth. Could you say those things about yourself? Or did one of those sting a bit? This list is a measure as to how rooted we are in love. And how rooted we are in Christ. Jesus, of course, would pass this test with flying colors. Patient for days. Kindness in spades. Never envious of others. Never boasting in his many good deeds. Never arrogant or rude or irritable or resentful. Always rejoicing in the truth. Christ is indeed the measuring stick for us. The gold standard for how to root yourself in love. This winter, in our nation's capital, we have seen an ugly display of irritable, rude, resentful, and loveless behavior. You probably think I'm talking about the campaign, but I'm actually talking about what happened after an epic snowstorm we had in January. I am from Minnesota. And my tolerance for snow and my Midwestern values made me appalled 
at the behavior I saw. The blizzard clogged the streets and the sidewalks. The snow plows buried the cars. They piled the snow wherever there was a space. And so after several days, if you decided you wanted to venture out, you had to dig your car out of the snow. You will know this concept. The problem is that once you took the effort of digging your car out of the snow and you drove off somewhere, when you returned, usually someone had taken your place. That is how it works with street parking, after all. But reports were coming in that people were having shouting matches in the streets over their parking spots. They were leaving nasty notes on car windows. They were blocking their spot with lawn chairs and road cones and umbrellas and even scratching the sides of other people's cars. Can you imagine? In Cambridge, you would never behave this way, but in Washington... Our love was buried deep, deep below those banks of snow. And we need a little extra patience and kindness with one another in such seasons of our lives. And yet, we do not hear much public discourse about the urgent need for love. We might see love on the screens in Hollywood, but not in Washington. Love is not what people are telling us we need. We need security. We need power. We need resources. We need education. We need policies. We need health care. We need all kinds of things. Yet who was the last politician to talk about the deep and pressing need for love? in our families, in our schools, in our communities, in our country. Not romanticized love, but selfless Christian love where we put others' interests ahead of our own, where we work for the common good, and where we genuinely care about our neighbors. Well, maybe I've been watching the wrong news channels, but I don't hear this kind of language. As a matter of fact, it's quite alarming what we are willing to tolerate in loveless behavior and rhetoric from today's leaders. We tolerate bullying. We tolerate vulgarity. We tolerate lying. We tolerate corruption. We tolerate discrimination. We tolerate all sorts of things which would easily fall into Paul's list of categories of boastful, arrogant, rude, irritable, and resentful behavior. And it is a bit embarrassing. So it's a good thing there is the church. For maybe the church can begin to preach this gospel mandate in new ways. Maybe the church can begin calling out such unacceptable behaviors. Maybe the church can lift up stories of goodness and compliment kindness and exhibit patience. 
Maybe the church is exactly what we need in our society right now. Maybe the example of Jesus Christ and his life needs to be preached so that we can be reminded there is another way. There is a higher call. Paul thought the Corinthians really needed the church. He thought the church was the right place for them to start practicing love. Without the church, he knew they would struggle to let Christ's love be their guiding principle. Paul spoke about the many gifts in their communities. He spoke about underpinning these gifts with the foundation of love. And the warning that he gave, if you did not do so, your gifts would be but a noisy gong. Everything we do, we do in love. That is the calling of a Christian. And to do likewise is to undermine the gospel. We love because Christ loved us. So today, I would like to conclude with three short stories. Labors of love I witnessed in Washington, D.C., in this last year, to give you some hope that all is not lost. The first story is from a man named Joey. Joey is homeless, eccentric, paranoid, and difficult. He comes to church wearing velvet jackets and sunglasses and his hair in a ponytail. He arrives early and leaves late. About two years ago, he started attending three churches in Georgetown, two Episcopalian churches and my Presbyterian church. My clergy colleagues and I soon realized he was attending all of our churches and approaching all of us for help. After getting to know him and learning his story, these two Episcopal rectors got involved. They began by trying to help Joey get the paperwork he needed for an ID, and then helping Joey apply for his social security check, and then helping Joey open a bank account, and then helping Joey apply for housing application. Every step in this process was an absolute nightmare. Hurdles and headaches. Joey is still on the streets. But these two clergy taught me a lot about patience and kindness because it would have been very easy to say to Joey, sorry, we can't help you. Yet they exhibited great love for this man in desperate need of help with few places to turn. Labors of love. The next story comes from Capitol Hill. Congressman John Lewis from Georgia, the famous civil rights leader whose struggle for justice has been one of living out patience and kindness that Paul urged. He recently released a comic book called March, which brings to life many of his stories from the civil rights movement. Our congregation read this book, and Congressman Lewis came to visit us 
One of the teenagers who had read this story asked him, how did you remain nonviolent? How did you endure the beatings, the people pouring hot coffee on you, the names that you were being called? And you know what he said? I remembered what I was taught in Sunday school. I channeled the gospel message to love my enemies. Rooted in Jesus Christ, John Lewis was able to remain true to his core convictions even in the face of brutality and the fear of death. A labor of love in the name of Christ. The last story is about the church where I serve and the dreaded annual review process we have for employees. You will know how this works. We have a committee. Elected elders serve on our administration and personnel committee, and every year we receive our paperwork, we set our goals, we look at our objectives, and then this committee meets with us to evaluate our work talk about us, about our hopes, and to push us in the right direction. This last year, our personnel committee was made up with this particularly distinguished group, a retired CEO, a former White House cabinet official, a vice president in a major U.S. company. So it's an intimidating process to begin with. And then you put that kind of a committee together. Nobody wanted to go to their meetings. Yet I watched each time how these three elders masterfully, lovingly spoke to each person on the team about their strengths, about their interests, about their hopes, about their areas for growth. And each person left in a better place than when they arrived. These sessions were not horrible but they were refreshing and encouraging. Patience and kindness from a church committee exemplifying Christ's mandates to show love in all things I've seen it with my own eyes. Labors of love in the name of Christ. Great or small, in all we do, this is the rooting for our actions. Our interactions with roommates, our treatment of students, our care for colleagues, even our exchanges with those we would label our enemies. In all ways, we are called to enact the faith we have found, the Sunday school lessons we have been taught, and the love we have experienced in Christ Jesus. Church. And the ivory tower of Harvard University are very good places to practice loving one another. But this is not where our work ends. The mantle must be carried into a world that knows all about envy, arrogance, and rudeness, and has much to learn about Christ's selfless labors of love. Paul wanted the Corinthians to know, as good church folk, they had a measuring stick for their lives. Kindness 
and patience, rooted always in love, rooted always in Christ. Amen.